Welcome to the First Baptist Barberville Weekly Sermon Podcast. At FBC Barberville, our mission is to gather, grow, give, and go. Join us for live worship on the Court Square in Barberville, Kentucky, or to learn more about our church, visit fbcbarberville.com. Here is Pastor Tyler Shields. come to y'all this morning and tell you it is a blessing to be here. I truly mean that. It is a blessing. There were times this weekend I didn't know if we'd all be here together or not. And this morning we all arrived separately, yet we're here together. And it is through the will of the Lord. It's through a lot of prayers, a lot of your prayers. We definitely felt them. Uh, I can speak for the kids, I think, and I can speak for the adults and our leaders that without your prayers, I don't know what we've done is possible. I really don't. I don't say that to be humorous, although there is some humor that I'm going to share with you, and I'm going to embarrass a few kids, uh, but that's what we do. (laughs) But your prayers were so important on this trip, and at the end of today's service, you'll see why. You don't always get to see the fruit put in the work, you put in the time, you put in the labor, you put in all these things, the resources, you put in the prayers, yet you don't always see the fruit. And unfortunately, sometimes in our entire lifetime, we may not see the fruit of what we put into, what we pour into. But this weekend was different. We got to see fruit. We got to see lives changed. We've seen souls saved. We've seen experiences that we would never experience without the prayers of the church, without the prayers of you all, without our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So what a wonderful experience it was. We had our ups and downs. And for those of you who might not be familiar with what I'm, what I'm talking about, we took our youth this weekend to a youth conference over in Pigeon Forge. It was two nights. The name of the conference is Hearts on Fire. And there's a lot in that name, Hearts on Fire, because you don't really understand it until you get there. And I think the kids really didn't understand it either. They thought we were going on this fun trip, and it was going to be uh, a lot of different things, probably imaginations going wild. What is this thing really about? Until you walk walk into this auditorium, and you look, and there's just a sea of kids. And when I say a sea, I'm talking about from wall to wall, thousands, not hundreds, thousands of kids and it really hits you when the worship music starts and in unison everyone starts singing together and they start worshiping the same God and the same Savior Jesus Christ hand in hand it's life-changing something you never forget and as we were sitting there and we were looking across the people I couldn't help but think man how much work goes into this You're talking about thousands and thousands of teenagers. You know, it's hard enough to get thousands of adults in one place at one time working in one way, yet a thousand teenagers going through three doors. How do you do that? Well, it takes people. It takes coordination. It takes a lot of logistics. It takes a lot of prayer. It takes a facility. It takes takes energy. It takes people. It takes equipment. It takes musicians, it takes speakers, they have to travel, they have to get there. There's a lot of arrangements. There's so much work that goes into an event like this. And we take it for granted because we get to come and we get to enjoy it. We get to praise, we get to worship, and we see all the fruit of it. 
but we forget about the work that goes into it, the ones who aren't recognized, the ones who aren't up there on stage speaking, the ones whose names aren't in the bulletin, the ones whose, whose names we don't recognize, we don't hear their songs on the radio because all they do is clean up after. But it takes those people putting work in, putting prayers in, pouring love into these kids. And you know what's amazing about this? Most of those people who work at these events who work at this event specifically, are volunteers. Giving their entire weekend, their entire weekend to come and to pour into these kids in ways that that we don't even think about. And as I was sitting there looking across this sea of people, thinking about all the work that went into it, I I look at our leaders, our leaders of our church, The leaders that decided this weekend they were going to pick up and they were going to go with these youth to have an experience. To have an experience with the master. To see them experience God in a way that they probably never experienced before. They gave up their jobs. Some had to take off of work. They had to find child care. I know there's a lot of grandparents who were happy to take take the babies this weekend. They gave up so many things. They gave up their time, their energy. They gave up their funds. They gave up everything they had this weekend to pour into these kids. You see the pictures and you see the fruit. You see the smiles on their faces. You see the the t-shirts that they have. You see the, the experiences that they're having. But all these things come from labor. All the fruit that we see, it has to come from somewhere, and it comes from the labor. It comes from the labor that we put in. And that's what we're going to talk about this morning. We're going to talk about the labor. We're going to talk about the work. And I think it's time for our church to get back to work. I think it's time for our church to get back to work, to put our boots on, to put our gloves on, to grab our equipment, to grab our tools, and get ready to go to work. And this isn't a new message to this church. This church has been working for a long time. Each and every day they get up, they they work, they pour into people, they pour into programs, pour into ministries, they pour into so many things that we see the fruit of. This very carpet that we walk upon as we come into the sanctuary was vacuumed and clean. These pews were placed here specifically so much work goes on that we don't always see the fruit. But again, I'm going to remind you at the end of this service, you get to see the fruit today. You get to see the fruit of all these works, all your time, all your donations, every time you put into an offering plate, every time you pray for someone, every time you get one of Miss Darla's prayer emails, every time this work goes in today, you get to see the fruit. You get to see the fruit of it. You say, Pastor, how can you be so certain How can you know that we're going to see the fruit today because I serve a God who promises? And His promise is true and it is always available and it is always ready and we've seen it this weekend. We did the work and we brought the fruit with us. And you can look here amongst us in the front rows in these pews. It's the fruit. It's the fruit of all of our labors. It's sitting right here with us. Our scripture this morning is in Colossians. Colossians chapter 3, starting in verse 22 through 25. If you will, stand with me as I, as I read the Lord's scripture. 
Colossians 3, 22 through 25 says, Slaves, obey your human masters in everything. Don't work only while being watched as people pleasers, but work wholeheartedly, fearing the Lord. Whatever you do, do it from the heart as something done for the Lord and not for people. Knowing that you will receive the reward of an inheritance from the Lord, you serve the Lord Jesus Christ. For the wrongdoer will be paid back for whatever wrong he has done, and there is no favoritism. Dear Heavenly Father, God, we just thank you for this day. We thank you for this time that you have appointed, Lord. I thank you, God, for this church, for this ministry that you have put before us. God, I am so thankful for this youth. This youth that have came, God, and I just pray, Lord, that you have, you have changed their hearts. That they are forever different, and we got to see that fruit this weekend, God, because they are not the same kids that we took as we brought home. They're different. They're changed. And some of them even became yours. God, how great are you to let me be a part of that? God, please be upon this service. May you move in a way, God, that we have never seen before. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. So if I was going to get up here and tell you about everything that happened this weekend, it would probably take me three weeks to do that. From the start, from leaving... To just a moment ago, some of you might not know, but as the worship team was getting ready to sing, there was a bus pulling up with kids that were unloading. Our intentions was to get back for Sunday school, but that didn't happen. A lot of times what happens in the Lord's plan isn't in our plans, and He does it for a reason, and He does it for a purpose. This entire weekend, though, was full of so many things. It was full of so many surprises, and as I've told people oftentimes in ministry, if you're dead set in one thing, you're going to fail, because you have to be able to pivot. You have to be able to adjust. You have to be able to just, just go with what God is doing and have faith that He is going to do it. Don't always look like we plan. We put a lot of work into these plans. We've been preparing for this for months, not weeks, not days, but for months, We've been preparing, we've been raising the funds. The kids worked so hard during Daniel Boone Festival to raise their money so that they could go on this trip. The leaders have worked so hard organizing this, and I'll share about that in a moment because I am so humbled about the leadership that we have. And I am so blessed because they picked me up so many times this weekend, took things off of my chest and off of my back that I didn't have to deal with. They went ahead and took care of it. This is how caring and considerate and how Christ-like that our leaders are. They told me this morning, they said, you go ahead of us. You go ahead of us and we'll bring the kids. We just want to make sure that you're there on time. That's the type of people that you're entrusting with your kids. They love your kids and they love the Lord. What else can you ask for? But it took a lot of work. They're tired. Look at them. I'll go ahead and recognize our leaders. If you all will stand up for a second so everybody can see how tired you are. Everybody give them. You, you don't have to.
So this is how tired they are. Alexis was telling me on the car ride here, she was looking at her, her iPhone app. And how many steps did you, had, did you take yesterday, Alexis? 16,000. It was over 16,000 steps yesterday, which came out to what, six miles? 6.6 miles yesterday. That was just yesterday. And that was the easy day, was yesterday. So they put the work in, they put the time in, they put their heart, they put their prayer, they put everything into these kids this weekend. And again, we don't always see the fruit, but man, Lord, God is so good. He just gave us a glimpse of it. And in our scripture today, Paul's talking about this work. He's talking about this work that can, can be overwhelming. He's talking about this work that can consume us. He's talking about this work that can just, just engulf our lives. And when you really think about it, society has trained us that way. We go to school, we get trained, we get educated for one reason, to have a career. Then we have that career, we go into that career, we provide for our family, we put the work in, we put the time in. It's all dedication, we put all of our energy into it. And if some of us are lucky, we're just fortunate to get by. But we get up every day, we put our boots on, we put our hard hat on, and we go to work. Because it's what we do. It's what we're supposed to do. That's what we're trained to do. That's what we are supposed to do. I don't believe that's by accident. I don't believe that's because society has taught us that. I believe that's because God has put that in our DNA. I believe it was there from the very beginning that we are created as workers, not setter buyers. We are created to get up, to go, to do, to be, to grab our lunch pail, Roll up our sleeves. And really, that's what ministry is. Ministry is not, it's not a sport for observers. It's a combat sport. It's a hard work sport. It's a dedication sport. It's sports you don't always get rewarded for. You don't always get a trophy. You don't always get a pat on the back. And oftentimes, you get benched for no reason. Yet we continue to do it each and every day. And Paul's writing to this church. And Paul's warning them, don't let this overtake your life. Don't let this that you think that you need to do each and every day, that you have trained for each and every day, that you need to provide for each and every day, don't let this take place of who you are. Paul's writing to this church at Colossae for, from his prison cell. He's writing from Rome, and probably at the same time he was writing to the Ephesians. So Paul was on a roll. Paul had a lot to get off of his chest. And what's interesting about the church at Colossae, it had been formed by Epaphras. And he was a disciple of Paul and was mainly formed for the Gentiles. That's who this church was directed for. It was, it was for the Gentiles. Paul had been informed that this young church was beginning to stray away from its true doctrine, promoting such things that Christ never taught. And one such issue arose with these so-called Christians and their employers. Many believed their professional life was separate from their spiritual life, and they could act any way that they wanted to. They could do anything they wanted to at work. Because they had trained for this. They'd been prepared for this. Society told them this is what they were supposed to do. They were supposed to miss church for work. They were supposed to miss church events and ministry opportunities to further their career. They were supposed to do this. 
And as long as they put in just a little bit of effort, a little bit of effort spiritually, and they went to church every now and then, and they read every now and then, and they prayed every now and then, as long as their career was flourishing, everything was good. But Paul writes to them and he tells them, you got it wrong. You got it wrong. It can't work like that. And Paul understood that these people, they, they needed to provide for their families. He understood that they needed a means of income. He understood this is their way of thinking and training, and this is all that they'd ever known. Paul understood this, but he was bringing a different kind of insight. Paul reminds them. He reminds them that the two should not be separate. Your professional life and your spiritual life should not be separate. That you should act accordingly to both. And Paul reminds them in this scripture that we look at today that they cannot be separated, but they should reflect one another. What you do in your professional life should reflect what you do in your spiritual life. If you've put in all that effort to climb the ladder and you've went to school and you've took the training and, and you, you've put the, the hard work that it takes to get into the position that you're at, I ask you this morning to look upon your spiritual life. Have you put in that same kind of work? Have you put in that same kind of education? Have you put in that same kind of effort that it takes to climb the rungs of the business world as you have in your spiritual life? Because I believe we have some CEOs in business, but we have some still in the basement in their spiritual life. It's because we want to separate the two. And Paul tells us that we cannot do that. One reflects the other. First thing Paul mentions here in verse 22 is the measure. The measure. So what, what's, our, what's our goal, pastor? What's our point? Where do we start? What are we working toward? What's the end game? What's the means? In verse 22 it says, Slaves, obey your human masters in everything. Paul's not telling them not to work. He's not telling them not to do what they're trained to do. He's not telling them not to be obedient to those that they are employed to. He's telling them do everything. But he also says don't work only while being watched as people pleasers. But work wholeheartedly fearing the Lord. So Paul's telling them here do the work you're commissioned to do. If your employer gives you a job to do, do it. If he tells you to dig a ditch, dig a ditch. If he tells you to move the bus, move the bus. It doesn't matter if it's fair. It doesn't matter if that's what you're trained in. It doesn't matter if you've done that for the last five days and you're just not going to do it for the sixth. Paul says, do it. He says, do it anyway. Do it anyway because that's what you are commissioned to do. That's what you are told to do. Paul says, don't work only while they're watching you. Now, how many has done that this morning? I don't see none of our kids raising their hands, but I know they're all guilty. Because I have two daughters myself, and I know when I go into their rooms and I tell them to clean the rooms, man, they're cleaning while I'm in there. And I can hear as I'm walking down the hallway, I can hear everything just stop. And then I go back, and they hear my footsteps, and I'll go in, and it's like they've been working all day long. And Hayden's the worst. I'm going to pick on Hayden for a second. Hayden's the worst. You can put Hayden in her room for eight hours. And she will complain a hundred times about how hard she has worked. And it will be worse than what she started. 
Well, we're all guilty of that. We're all guilty of doing exactly what we need to do while whoever we need to see it is watching. Not only in our work lives, but in our spiritual lives. How many of us are Christians around Christians? We're church members when we're at church. But what about when you're not? What about when it's that lost person out here watching you at the bar as you sit and take a drink after work? What if it's, what if it's the person that's walking down the street? Are you still that same Christian? Are you still putting the work in that Paul is asking us to, that he is commissioning to us? He says, do it while no one's looking. He also tells us in this verse, do the work not to please people, but do the work because it's your work to be done. You're not doing it to please your boss. You're not doing it to further the company. You're doing it because it's your job. I think that's something us Christians, we need to put into effect. That when we are presented these ministries inside of our church, and thank God we have so many ministries inside of our church, and some of us, like myself, might complain a little bit or grumble a little bit. Somebody else should be doing this. This isn't my job. Why do they put this off on me every time? Paul says, stop it, Christian. Stop complaining and do what is commissioned to you. Because it's not about who you're doing it for. It's not about how many times you've done it. It's about the God that has presented it in front of you. And if God has presented this task at, at your hand, then you should do it. John Phillips. I think me and Tyler can both agree. We love his commentaries. And John Phillips says, It is the measure of our service. Knowing what needs to be done and doing it. Without question. Without grumble. Without groaning. And that brings us to verse 23. It's how we do it. A lot of us will do a job. But you probably don't want to be around me when I'm doing a job I don't want to. Because I'm going to let you know about it. I'm going to let everybody know about it. About how bad it is. And how I shouldn't be doing it. And I probably won't even do it well. Because I don't want to be doing it anyway. Verse 23 says, Whatever you do, do it from the heart. As something done for the Lord and not for the people. It matters how we get the job done. How many times have you heard in your life, as long as we get the job done, as long as we get it done, that's all that matters. That's a concept the world has really grasped a hold of. They don't care how we get there. They just want us, want us to get there, right? Paul's telling us there is a difference. It does matter how you get there. It does matter in the means that you, you get to these spots, that you do the work. It matters so much. It matters because it matters to God. In all things we do, everything that we do, doesn't matter how small or how big it is, everything we do should glorify Christ. doesn't matter if it's sweeping the floor or moving the bus or, or, or vacuuming the carpet. And you say, Pastor, how in the world can I glorify Christ in vacuuming the carpet? You'd be surprised how many people come in this church and how many people notice things and how many people, it, it's just easier to approach the guy who is vacuuming the carpet than it is the guy behind the pulpit. 
And it matters how he's vacuuming that carpet because if he's angry and distraught, then he's lost his witness to this person. But if he's like Tony Mills and he's smiling and he's laughing and he's, he's talking about the Lord and he's fellowshipping, then it welcomes a person in. It gives them an opportunity to see Christ. That's why everything we do matters. How we do it, it matters. Verse 24 and 25, we see the motive. We've first seen the measure, we've seen the manner, and finally we see the motive. Why do we do what we do? Verse 24, knowing that you will receive the reward of an inheritance from the Lord. You serve the Lord Christ. For the wrongdoer will be paid back for whatever wrongdoing he has done. And there is no favoritism. We don't do it for the glory or the recognition here on earth. We do it for the Father who first done it for us. That's why we do it. As much fun as we had this weekend, I can tell you, not a, not a leader here that went with these kids this weekend done it for themselves. They can go to Gatlinburg anytime. They can go to Pigeon Forge anytime they want. They don't have to give up their weekend to do it with 35 kids. But they done it for the Lord. They done it for the glory of God. They done it because it was something God had presented in front of them. They done it in a manner where they were cheerful and they were happy and they poured into them. Listen, there were more things went wrong this weekend than went right. That's to be expected, though. There have been a lot of reasons for us to grumble and to be angry and upset and worried and frustrated. But we were reminded why we do what we do. We do it because we're promised an inheritance we do not deserve. We do it because we're promised a salvation that we cannot achieve. We do it We do it. We do it for a Savior that died for us. Paid a price that we could not pay. We do it so we can have an everlasting relationship with the Father that we earn, that we yearn for each and every day, that we, we want this relationship with Him. And how do we do that? We have to work for it. It's nothing that we can do here on earth. There's no amount of money we can achieve. How do we work for it? We have to fight ourselves. Each and every day, I have to fight myself. I have to work against myself. See, there's not an amount of money that I can, I can earn to heaven. There's not as a, a thousand youth groups that I could take to Pigeon Forge that would earn me a way to heaven. But the only thing is my relationship with Christ. And I have to fight that each and every day, telling the the demons that are fighting me inside of my, my mind and inside of my heart that I don't do it for all of these things, but I do it for the Father who sent His Son to die for me. So what's your motive this morning? Why do we do the things we do? Why do we work the way we work? Why do we put the effort in? Why do we work the jobs we work? Why do we come to the church we come to? 
Why do we continue to pour into things that we may not ever see the fruits of? It's because God placed them in our path. And it's because He said it's worth it. He said it's worth it. And because He said it's worth it, I will continue to do all things in His name. As we were at our conference this weekend, we let all the kids go up front. And like I said, there's a thousand, thousands, not 8,000, but thousands of kids just kind of come together. And we join them up here in this crowd, even though we're older and it hurts more to do that. not sit in your seat the whole time. But we join these kids up here in this crowd. And I remember watching over. I remember watching over and seeing one of our, one of our youth with his hands straight up in the air, eyes closed, praising the God that saved his soul. That was worth it. a chance to sit down on our hands and knees our hands and knees hand in hand with people we didn't even know and praise the God who saved us and makes it worth it and that Friday night they offered an invitation And every head bowed, youth pastor sometimes raises up and peaks. Every head bowed. They ask if you have accepted Christ into your heart to raise your hand. And as I looked across our kids, I seen three hands go up. Three hands go up. Makes it worth it. It's worth all the work. It's worth all the tears. And we cried. We cried. We've laughed. We've done a lot of things this week. We might have jumped a fence or two. The church may be getting a ticket for jaywalking. I don't know. Um, We've done a lot of things this weekend. But as I watched this happen, and I sat down with these three kids... And ask them what has happened to them. And they cry. And they tell you that their life has changed. That's why when I told you earlier that we took some kids to Pigeon Forge, but we brought some different ones back, we really did. They are different. They are changed. They have accepted Christ into their heart, and they will never be the same. And by Saturday night, by the time it was Chris Tomlin's time to come out, and I listen, I'm going to plug Chris Tomlin for a second. I know Chris Tomlin's getting a little bit older, and I thought, well, he might not be able to to hang with these young kids. He can. He can. He was louder than everybody else, and I still can't hear because of Chris Tomlin. But these kids knew his songs. They were praising to him. They listened to him on the radio. We sing them in worship. We sing them in church. They're familiar with them, but for the first time I seen in their eyes, it made sense. It made sense that this whole thing is bigger than them. 
that there is a gift that is bigger than them and no one can make them take it. And you didn't have to make them take it because they wanted it. When you look over at your neighbor and you say, man, I want what he's got. His hands are up. He looks goofy. I don't know what he's doing, but look how happy he is. Look how fulfilled he is. They looked over and they said, I want that. And my faith and my God and my Savior in this book says because they wanted it and they asked for it, he delivered. He gave it to them. So if you ever get discouraged about the work, how hard it is, where you're directing it, where's your time, your effort, your resources, where's it going? Little reminders sitting here in blue shirts. It's right here. Because if nothing else, there was three lives that were saved right here with us. And we prayerfully are praying for more because I think there was a lot of seeds that were planted. If y'all will stand with me at this time, I'll ask the worship team to come up. We'll use this time of invitation. And if you have a decision that you need to make this morning, and you've not made it, and you've been putting it off, and you've been putting the work in, and, and you put the time and the effort in, and you need to make that decision this morning, I just ask you to come and make it. Come and make it. Let us labor with you. We can't take all the hurt. We can't take all the burdens. We can't take all the pain from you. But we can cry with you. We can laugh with you. And we can pray with you because our God is bigger than any obstacle that is in your way. So please take this time this morning. Thanks for listening to the weekly sermon podcast. Please subscribe, but also join us live in person on the Court Square in Barberville or find us on YouTube by searching FBC Barberville, on Instagram at first underscore Baptist underscore Barberville, on Twitter at Barberville FBC or on our Facebook page, First Baptist Barberville.